Ron, we started off with the uh, second GOP presidential debate last night. We're here to recap it, see what mattered most to social conservatives and how it all shook out in the end. My name is Autumn Leva. I'm the Senior Vice President of Strategy with Family Policy Alliance. I'm excited to be with you this morning to dive in. And with me today, I have our President and CEO, Mr. Craig DeRoche, joining us live, as well as uh, Cole Musia, our Georgia State ally, doing a wonderful job there. Uh, so gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me today. Let's talk about, do you think that there was an overall winner or perhaps an overall loser for social conservatives from the debate last night? I'm going to defer to Cole from the great state of Georgia on that one. The electorally unimportant state of Georgia. Um, yeah, I, you know, I think if you look for a, a winner last night, a clear winner, uh, you know, Ron DeSantis came away with the strongest moment of the night. It happened to be a, on a social conservative issue. I think the his answer on the life issue is exactly what uh, pro-lifers needed to hear. They've been beaten up by the former president and accused of costing victories uh, that, in fact, he played a significant role in actually costing us. But Ron DeSantis gave a clear, strong defense for the life movement that should inspire every social conservative that was watching that debate, should have had you standing up in your seat and ready to go um, pound payment to make sure that we take back the White House in 2024. Um, and I think conversely, the loser is Donald Trump um, on social conservative issues. He's the only candidate and the race that got hit on those issues. I think even Chris Christie gave a strong pro-life defense uh, when asked about the life issue. Uh, but Ron DeSantis's clear, strong defense on the life issue was, I think, the strongest policy moment of the entire debate, which was a, a mess in a lot of ways. But uh, that was a great moment. It was a great win. Gives him the win on the social conservative issues. And I think he made it very clear that Donald Trump has no longer deemed the pro-life movement to be his friend and ally, the same movement that got him elected in 2020. And I think that's a big mistake. And I do think it cost Donald Trump. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to pick up. I have a different take on, on the backside of it. But I clearly think that Ron DeSantis won the debate uh, uh, for that reason. Exactly what Cole said. There was a moment in the debate on policy and it happened to be on social conservative issues. It could have been on foreign policy. It could have been on tax or something like that or crime. It happened to be on the life issue which we know the Democrats, they're trying to say that uh, uh, conservatives and Christians are making this the issue. That's not true. It's actually the Democrats that are making this their number one issue. And the problem that Ron DeSantis properly pointed out is that people that run away from that and try to stick their head in the sand are going to lose. You know, when, when, when George Herbert Walker Bush tried to tell people that he could raise taxes just a little bit and to trust him, all of the, the fiscal conservatives abandoned him, and he was unelectable in 1992. So I think Ron DeSantis put his finger on that for the social conservative movement and said, wait a second, if you subtract us, maybe we're a third of the entire American electorate. How are you going to win if you're not fighting to protect life? And that's a very valid question. I agree with Cole, too, that I was confused by Chris Christie because he almost sounded like he's been fighting for 20 years to protect life. And we all know he's a kind of a pro-choice warrior. So he's getting the, 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 the message on the moment and, and what social conservatives are going to do in this next election. And uh, I was a little bit disappointed in Burgum, though, uh, uh, from a social conservative standpoint. It didn't seem that he understood that the federal government has a role in protecting the civil rights, constitutional civil rights of children um, in America. And that, to me, was um, deathly. It, I mean, even the, the announcers, her, her visual face was like, you're you're not answering. This should be e easy for you to answer. Parents are in charge, not 
not not the state government. And if the federal government has to protect the the children from the state, then then you know that's a conversation we should have. And it, I thought that was a really you know he didn't have to have a policy, but he could have got the principle right. And I thought that was a major error. Yeah, I've, I've seen I've seen people talking about Burgum on social media some today, and I think it's in the same way people used to talk about. American Idol, what, 15 years ago with Sanjaya Malakar, you know, I mean, it's, it's, everyone's confused about why he's there and it's kind of a quirky little thing. So people are talking about him, but Doug Burgum, again, proved that he's not particularly serious. He's not been serious on policy issues. Um, you know, he had some, he had some nice little moments, but people forget that he's there. And when, he, when you're talking about big issues like this, he's been largely on the sidelines and the federal government has a substantial role uh, in protecting human beings and he's missing the mark. I thought I was, I'm so glad you said that, Cole. I was going to say for, for viewers who are watching and don't know who uh, Burgum is, he's the governor from North Dakota. A lot of people don't actually know where he's from. So just to clarify there, and I agree, Craig, he stumbled around on the role of parents and parental rights, whereas some of the other candidates really came, came strong on that, came through strongly on that. Um, and I agree with you, Cole, Governor DeSantis, he was really the only one on the stage who had a record of wins on social conservative issues like life and parental rights, uh, protecting kids from transgender interventions and all of those types of things that he could point to. And he really, really shined on that. Um, so I think that's an excellent point. Um, I want to talk about how there, were, there seemed to be a change in tactics last night uh, that we did not see in the first debate, where the candidates seemed more, except for the two South Carolinians, uh, they seemed more interested in attacking former President Trump and President Biden than each other. So I'm curious uh, for both of you, do you think that was effective? Did you notice that as well? And what was your reaction? So I, I think if there's an overall theme of the night, it, it was it was kind of a sense of desperation from all the candidates. Their numbers aren't moving. They're seeing President Trump remain in a solid spot. Uh, they're they're used to at this point picking up the phone and talking to major donors and being told, "Hey, I'm keeping my powder dry at this point in time." And particularly the minor candidates, Tim Scott going after Nikki Haley in the way that he did was way out of character. Um, and so I think that's a result of desperation. I think he's trying to take out somebody that he sees as taking some of his votes. Um, so that that was weird. Um, Vivek doing a total 180 from, you know, attacking his candidates left and right in the first debate to trying to be the nice guy. Um, he definitely sees that his numbers, his neg negativity has gone, you know, really sky high. And I think he tried to combat that some last night. I think it was ineffective because I think he came across as very ingenuine on a lot of issues, though he did have a good moment on the transgender issue. Um, but I think I think for the most part, there was a lot of attention on Donald Trump because, he, you know, as Ron DeSantis pointed out several times, he was missing in action. And when it comes to answering these big issues, all these candidates are trying to get him on the stage. You know, Kellyanne Conway was, you know, provided the first commentary post-debate. She said that Donald Trump was a winner because they kept mentioning his name and saying that he should be on the stage. I, I couldn't disagree more. I think it was indicative of the fact that they think if they get him on the stage, they will outshine him, that they'll put him in a spot where he says something stupid on policy where he comes across as wrong and all these left wing positions that he's taking in this third run of uh, third run for the White House, that they can hold him to account if he's put on the stage. So I think there was a lot of bringing him up because there is a desire to coax him to coming on the stage and answering for the positions that he's now taking uh, that are contrary to where the where the base is that is supporting him. So I thought I thought DeSantis did a good job calling out Trump where he was, he's been weak. Uh, Chris Christie, for all of his faults, does a great job prosecuted the case against Donald Trump. And then they're each trying to jockey for position and justify their 
you know, their rationale for being in the race. I think Tim Scott in particular and Mike Pence in particular had a, are going to have a really hard time after last night justifying why they stay in the race. And I think that's why you saw both of them, as well as Vivek, you know, kind of do a 180, make some really desperate moves. Yeah, and, uh, you know, that's kind of my take as well, that that I think that it's starting um, – I, I would imagine it's starting to grate on um, social conservatives all over, you know, America right now in that um, – What's going on is is we have part of the campaign, you know, the, the the Trump campaign that wants to talk about the issues and revisit between 2000 and call it 10 and 2020, the policies and the decisions that were made. And that that's a fascinating discussion, I suppose, for the History Channel. But um, Americans, whenever they go into an election and, and they go into a voting booth, it's always about the future and it's always about them, not somebody else. And and. Uh, um, it, it serves perfectly the last four years to run, you know, kind of a, a shadow or a parallel government, uh, um, it, especially when you can monetize it and turn it into an entertainment of sorts through the content and the channels and the advertising and the donors. But when you try to convert that into winning an election, there's a lot of questions that people have. And I, I think that um, what some of the candidates started pointing out last night is that it seems as though as social conservatives, they're trying to triangulate us you know, tell us that um, we're a pawn on their chessboard and that we will do what they tell us to do in this election. And, and that's the message that I hear when, when um, consultants and strategists and, and um, the establishment GOP, which, which, you know, the establishment GOP, a lot of people would say, you know, you're talking about uh, uh, Romney, you're talking about, you know, Nelson Rockefeller. No, I'm not. I'm talking about the people that run the GOP for the last eight years. You know, that's a big chunk of my life. I'm 50 years old. That's almost 20% of my life that, that the current people running the GOP have been running. They're the establishment. And, and social conservatives matter. Uh, the Republican Party would not exist without social conservatives. Barry Goldwater won like three or four states because he ran a fiscal conservative campaign uh, uh, and his wife was on the Planned Parenthood board. Guess what happened when Ronald Reagan was nominated? And, and he ran and embraced social conservative fully, he won nearly every state. And, and that's what we're trying to do, I think, Cole. And, 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 um, and, and when the Trump campaign isn't up there on stage last night, um, imagine if the Reagan campaign wasn't up there on stage in, in 1983, you know, and, and, and uh, uh, trying to do this stuff. It, it's a huge gap and it, it's starting uh, uh, to create problems uh, for our great country when we're talking about the future, not the past, what's going to happen after election day, 2024? Well, I think to your point, I mean, it is uh, social conservatives has, have a decision to make, you know, Donald Trump, you know, in, in the last week said that, you know, he, he, he saw the future of America as being a, a, a nation where abortion was permanently legal. That's, that's the result of what he said. Uh, he could not clearly say that a man cannot become a woman. And so social conservatives in this election have to decide whether there is going to be a party that believes in, a, in a, an America that one day protects and cherishes every human life, whether we will be a nation that recognizes that men cannot become women, period. And that is clear and unequivocal and that there's no, no way to hem and haw about that. Uh, that's, that's what's on the ballot. And I think that's why these, these guys are all trying to coax Trump on stage because you know, not, not everybody's on Twitter. Not everybody watches every, every interview. And there's a lot of people that don't know that Trump has had these stumbles and that he's run to the left on these issues. And I think Ron DeSantis in particular 
is very eager to hold it to account on those positions because you are not going to be president of the United States as a Republican if you cannot galvanize pro-life forces and you cannot clearly say that uh, a man cannot become a woman. I think that's exactly right, Cole and, and Craig. Um, I think President Trump has a lot of answering and explaining to do for some of the recent comments he's made about life. And even I understand there's a, there's an election going on and a debate and he's criticizing Governor DeSantis, but he was criticizing him for signing into law a bill that would protect babies at the point at which their, their heartbeats can be detected. So a basic sign of life. And for the pro-life movement, that's clearly, clearly uh, something that we stand behind. And like you said, Cole, we, we helped elect President Trump last time around. So I think it would absolutely help for him to be on stage to answer some of those questions. Uh, but we've got an, a question from Andrew who's watching about uh, President Trump's uh, former vice president, Vice President Pence, and his, uh, his performance in the debate last night. What, what do you all have to say to Andrew? Uh, look, I think I think Mike Pence is a, is a good man, uh, and I think uh, he he was a great vice president. I think there there's he, he gets shortchanged a lot for the work that he did in the in the role of vice president. We talk about a remade federal judiciary. Mike Pence had had a strong role to play in that, but I, it, it is very difficult to see what is his rationale for staying in the race at this point. Chris Christie is not running to be president of the United States. He's running to take down Donald Trump. Um, Mike Pence is kind of running a similar campaign, except he's not clearly going after Trump. Uh, he's not clearly staking out a whole lot of strong positions. It seems like he wants to revitalize his, his image, but his negatives are sky high at this point in time. I mean, him and Chris Christie are ba battling for who's, who's the most negatively perceived Republican in the race. I don't see him having much of a future. I would encourage him to drop out before Iowa. If he, if he doesn't think Donald Trump should be president again, he needs to drop out before Iowa and endorse the person that he does think should be president. Uh, it was, I thought it was a poor performance that he was much more engaged in the first go round, but he had some poor moments uh, this time. And his attack on DeSantis early on about, you know, the, the Parkland uh, stuff was weird. Uh, and really off base. I don't think it came across very well. And you, you always know, candidate is is nearing the end of their time when as soon as they start speaking during the debate you're, you're kind of fast forwarding mentally to the next person you're ready for them to wind down he just does not have the energy the pep the vision to be president of the united states and to win this nomination you're gonna to have to go through donald trump mike pence is not going to take him down um and so that's the reality of where he's at I, you know again good man really lousy candidate for president at this point in time yeah, I just add to that what, what Cole said is at this point in time, you know, and, and, and I think what Cole's saying is accurate because of that. I, I think it's been very hard for the vice president to find a lane. Uh, um, I think that people are aware of his manner and his demeanor and his character. And, and I do think uh, there will be a time uh, where Americans are going to recognize uh, that Mike Pence is a incredibly consequential uh, mm -hmm person in, in history of our country and that God used him in powerful ways. Uh, um, back to our concerns, and, and uh, I don't think that anybody heard any Trump bashing from us. We are, we are a lot of concerns about this candidate who's saying things out loud. Now, we know Trump has flipped around on a lot of stuff, but he should be held to account for it. What, what I would say is that I think that Mike Pence being in the White House with Donald Trump for those four years, if, if, if you want to know if you say, well, when the going got tough with Kavanaugh, uh, 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 Trump stood strong. You know, uh, uh, when the going got tough with this, he stood strong. What were those issues about? They're the issues 
that Trump is saying are political losers right now. And who's the person that was in the White House saying that they're winners? It was Mike Pence. Mm-hmm. So I'm very grateful for the man. Um, I do think he articulates that well. I'm, I'm glad that he is um, making himself available to talk about what happened more uh, uh, for history's sake. And I look forward. I think Mike Pence is going to be a huge gift to the social conservative movement as we go forward from here. But I, I do agree with Cole. Um, his performance in the first debate was better and the performance in this debate and just how things are shaping up and with the clock, the way it's working right now, it's very unlikely in the next, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, six months that uh, um, uh, things change. And so I, I think, Autumn, um, what's interesting to me um, emerging from this race is really, I think, going to be a conversation out of yesterday of is it DeSantis or is it Nikki Haley? Because I think Nikki Haley and I do think that there are different audiences, nuanced, different. I think they're both conservatives. I think they're both social conservative audiences, but there truly is a, a pick your flavor uh, in the two of them uh, uh, for social conservatives in America that they presented yesterday. And I'm going to be fascinated by that to see if it if it spreads between the two of them or if one of them gets a disproportionate uh, bounce over the other one. I think that I think that's a really interesting point, Craig. And I think, um, you know, Nikki Haley and, and some of the others had a great moment on parental rights. So I want to dig into some of the specific issues that social conservatives care about a little bit. Parental rights being one of them. And I think it was really interesting to see the moderators come out and really strongly, even from just the moderation standpoint, talking about parental rights and should parents have the right to say whether or not their child could get something like a dramatic transgender intervention without their knowledge or consent at a school or, or elsewhere, where schools and, and sometimes doctor's offices are providing these things like experimental hormones, cross-sex hormones that leave kids sterile, permanently sterile for the rest of their lives before they reach the age of 18. Um, and, and then of course the dramatic surgeries like uh, double mastectomies for 14 year olds and things like that. Can kids get those without their parents' knowledge or consent? And you could tell even the moderators were saying, were, were angling that no, that wasn't right. Craig, you already mentioned that Governor Burgum from North Dakota kind of stumbled around on that answer a little bit. But we got some strong answers from the candidates. So, gentlemen, what do you think that means for, for, the, for the race going forward that parental rights became such a strong issue? And I'll ask you a second part to that question. What do you think that means for the radical left in the election ahead? Because we even have Governor Newsom in California, of all people, who just vetoed a very radical bill that would have labeled parents who don't consent to these types of procedures for their kids as child abusers. That's a crime where they can lose custody of their kids. And normally that's something that we would definitely expect Governor Newsom in California to sign, but he did not, he vetoed it. So this issue of parental rights, how do you think that shook out in the debate? And what do you think that means for the radical left's position as we head into the 2024 election? I'll jump in here, Autumn. And uh, folks, to me, this is this is everything. And I think we've already seen a uh, preview for what's coming in 2024. So those of you out there and please ask your questions while you have Colin here. (coughs) We'd love to answer them because um, what's coming is possibly what happened in 2021 in Virginia. It's the difference in our ideology. Uh, um, worldviews as Christians and, and as you know, normal Americans believe that 
parents are, are the, 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 the most important form of governance. It goes out from there. It goes from parents to community, from community to like county, from county to state and up. The most powerful form of government and that we should all defer to should be the parents' rights and then to the community and backward. The, the, the leftists want the federal government in Washington, D.C. to be running your state. They want them to be running your county. They want them to be running your family, right? And so parents' right is not just a small line. It's an entire worldview that, that, that strips bare the left's uh, uh, purposes and designs and, and really what they think of our lives and, 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 uh, and their value us. They think they're better than us. They think that we need to be governed. So the parents' rights I was over the moon happy with. Uh, um, I was frustrated. As I said, the big loss was uh, Bergram. I mean, if, if you can't understand that, that, that to me is, is basic. That's entry level uh, conservatism. Who's in charge, the parents or the state? Uh, you should be able to answer that question. And I thought that that was a major mistake. I think that's only going to be amplified. And believe me, the social conservative groups, there's a lot of acceptance on that. And I heard what Cole and you were saying earlier, Autumn, about uh, um, President Trump. And that's where I hope we can get to him, you know, uh, as he continues to campaign and help educate him so he understands that this is not something where he can make everybody happy. But by giving control of my kids over to the state or the school district to learn about sex and everybody wins. No, you've corrupted and you warped their view and potentially led them into dangerous permanent decisions that will affect them the rest of their life, potentially 78 or 80 years of their life, if not lead to increased uh, levels of suicide and stuff and, and, and whether or not I will have grandchildren, you know, and stuff like that. So I, it, it matters to me. Uh, uh, I will show up for those discussions and I think social conservatives will all over America uh, Autumn, that's what's animating us. And I, and I think for those of you that are frustrated and say the media is saying we're going to lose, why we're going to win, it's because of parents' rights. That's why we're going to win in 2024. Well said, Craig. I think that's a really, really good background and framing of that issue. I think Nikki Haley, like I, like I mentioned earlier, she came out very strong on that issue. She said that there should be complete transparency in the classroom for parents. I thought that was a really winning moment for her. And then, of course, like we mentioned earlier with Cole, Governor DeSantis came out and pointed out that he was the only candidate up there who had passed a strong parental rights bill in his state and fought the company Disney, the, the behemoth Disney, to get it done. Um, so those were those were great wins. And I think you're right, Craig, it really showed the momentum of the parental rights movement going forward and the parents rising up just like they did in Virginia. Um, I want to I want to touch on since we've talked about parental rights and kind of danced around the edges of that transgender issue. Uh, that, I think, was really interesting because the moderators were clearly they were talking about to the transgender issue in the context of parental rights. But the candidates, uh, practically, many of them practically tripped over themselves to rush forward and say that this issue of transitioning kids, telling kids that they were born in the wrong body and that therefore they should alter themselves chemically or physically with surgeries to change their body. The candidates practically fell all over themselves to oppose that, make clear that they were opposed to that. Vivek did that. Uh, many of the others did as well. And I think, Craig, that's really interesting because, you know, a few election cycles ago, you couldn't get any candidate to talk about these LGBT-like issues. And now here we have candidates who are rushing to say, no, 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 I'm opposed to this. This is bad for kids. Um, what do you think that says about the momentum that we've seen as social conservatives in the nation and what's ahead for 2024? 
Well, we're, we're finally getting to the point, aren't we? Um, you know, some of you that listen to this uh, channel know that a little bit about my background. I was a former Speaker of the House. I was also a former minority leader in Michigan. I was Speaker elected in 2004 election. I was minority leader after we lost the majority in the 06 election. Uh, the person that funded the Democrats in that election is a, a person by the name of John Stryker, who wrote them a check for $6.7 million to uh, 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 create transgender bathrooms. That, that was the issue. Uh, folks, $7 million to a state legislative races in Michigan to buy a legislature, which worked, uh, um, and, and, and uh, um, uh, to advance this. That was back in 2006. The left, the, the um, uh, forces of evil in our country that are targeting our children and our families have been at this for decades, is my point, decades. They did not show up uh, two years ago. Um, and, and, but the hope we have is it's now coming out of the woodwork and that word transparency that Nikki Haley brought up. We need to have, it, this isn't something that can be fixed from Washington, D.C. It can only be fixed when we return the power to the local governments and that we engage the parents to be involved and take proper control over our education system completely and have that revolve around the parents with 100% school choice and, and returning that there. The alarm bells have been ringing for 30 or 40 years, Autumn. I think that enough parents in, in America are hearing those now, where I think until COVID they said, I don't know, maybe those are uh, you guys are trying to, to uh, be alarmists. But now I think people in America know that the truth is this is a coordinated plan and that it's targeting our children and it's hurting them. And, and all the evidence points to that. And we can do something about it. And our leadership of who wins this next election is going to matter, not just at the presidential race, but who we nominate for president matters, because that's going to tell us how many governors and, and county governments and school boards and, and cities and everything else we win. And what we're trying to do at FPA and what Frontline is doing, I think we got call back here. Frontline is one of the most amazing state organizations in, in America, and Georgia needs it right now because Georgia has decided the Senate and, and the presidential race, and it's, it's ground zero. And so what we're telling people is go get involved. The links are to get involved with Frontline, you know, down in Georgia, a good Christian, social, conservative, family policy council. They're going to need us there and everybody else is because the parents are ready to go, Autumn, as you're pointing out. They're, they're ready to take the field. And they're not sure exactly how to do it. And, and, and here at Family Policy Alliance, where our, our goal is after debates like this, where you get your energy up, is to say, we know exactly what to do. You need to get in co contact with Cole uh, Musio at Frontline if, 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 you are, um, if you're frustrated and you live in Georgia. And if you live in the other states, uh, we need you today, too, because of what Autumn's talking about, parents' rights. Uh, you may not be able to win your governor's race. It might not even be on the ballot next year if you're in Oregon or or, or California or somewhere else, but we are cutting right through the school boards and, and, and county elections and, and city councils and flipping them. Even the San Francisco school board recalled their woke uh, leaders 75% to 25% over boys in the girls' bathroom. So folks, social conservatism is on the rise. It revolves around parents' rights and we, we need you to get involved now. I talked a long time because I was trying to bring Cole back in. Is he ready yet, Autumn, or do we lose him? I think uh, Cole's still having a tech issue, Craig. That's why he's not on the screen, unfortunately. Hopefully we can get him back because he's such a great leader, such a great spokesperson on, on all things political. He's a great ally in Georgia. So for those of you who are watching from Georgia, 
please take time to connect with him. And for those who don't know, we have an alliance of 40 state family policy councils, just like Cole's organization Frontline, uh, not just in Georgia, but in 40 states now. We hope to get to 50. So please check out our allies. I'm sure that will be posted in the, in the chat for you to link up with one of our allies in the states. And I want to just take a moment to briefly talk about how powerful they can be and how powerful it is when we all work together, because this issue of transgenderism that we've been talking about, uh, we had a, a bill that we were putting forward for a long time uh, called help. We call it help, not harm. Um, hopefully you can check out our website, see more about that. It's right up front and center on the home page. You can even uh, help a child, help a child escape the transgender issue for just $30 a month, which is huge to save the life of a, a child who might make some otherwise terrible lifelong decisions that will affect them for the rest of their lives. Um, but what happened was these states started putting forward this help not harm law that prohibits the medical industry from transitioning children and it was state family policy councils like Cole and others. The first one started in Arkansas. And now that law is in place in 20 states. That's nearly half the country where that law is in place. And that's because of the work of these state family policy councils. That's because of parents and social conservatives like you rising up to say that enough, enough is enough. And that that is why this has become such an issue in this upcoming election. So I really hope that you all as viewers, as you're listening to this, can be encouraged by that uh, because it's a huge win and you have been part of it. I hope you see yourselves in that victory. And of course at Family Policy Alliance and the state family councils, we're working hard to get that law in place in all 50 states and hopefully across the, the nation going forward. Um, but before we end, I do wanna talk a little bit more, Craig and Cole, if we can get him back on, um, about the life issue because I thought it was really interesting the way the moderators teed that up, and I know the life issue is so critical, so key for all of us as social conservatives, and the moderators sort of teed that up as if as if um, it's a losing issue. They didn't even want to, you know, they, they felt like it was just a loser, that the candidates should sort of retreat from that, um, when that's really... That's, that's not the case. And a couple of the candidates hit back hard on that. I think Governor DeSantis and, like Cole mentioned earlier, surprisingly, uh, Governor Christie from New Jersey. So, uh, Craig, what was, your, what was your take on how that life issue was framed and how the candidates were able to respond to that? I think it's everything. I think, I think it's everything. And, and um, I think it goes to a person's heart, too, when you ask them a question like that, right? So if you ask somebody the death penalty, let's say, what's your position on the death penalty? I'd expect somebody to reference their answer as it relates to who they are, their character, their heart. Um, and, I, and I'd expect their basis, if they were a Christian, uh, to include the scripture, uh, um, because the scripture is confusing on that. And, and I'd be interested to hear how they are persuaded by it, um, because we're talking about human life. And that would show a level of humility, right, that, that, that they're not thinking about other people's lives as less than mine. Yeah, they're thinking about that uh, almost as the Bible would say, do unto others as you would have done unto you. Uh, is there a condition when you think the government would sanction your death? That's really the question that we're asking people when we say, do you support the death penalty, right? Do you support abortion? Do you think that for your parents' career or convenience or, or pride, they should have been able to exterminate you? You know, and, and, and that's a, an entirely different question. And, and I think our country and, and, and us as human beings have wrestled with that <laughs> from Sodom and Gomorrah through, you know, uh, when Moses went up to get the stone tablets the first time and left Aaron in charge. 
to uh, <coughs> Ephesus in Acts uh, all the way through. Um, Rome, uh, leaving their children out, uh, putting them in the woods or, or, or out on the front porch or by the, the road. Um, this is a very human issue, and, and this is in a moment where I think America in human history can continue to distinguish ourselves and receive those blessings from the Lord that we receive every time we recognize the equality of human life created by God and the rights coming from God and not the government. We've done that. We've made the improvements with slavery from that great sin. We've done it with women, uh, with voting, and, and others that we've made subhuman uh, through our policies. And, and the unborn is, 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 is a final frontier, God willing, in our country of division. And uh, I think it's a political winner. I think it speaks to what we were founded for, the entire purpose of our Bill of Rights and the 14th Amendment as it already is written. Uh, um, it's just a human being that hasn't been born yet. And, and I hope the candidates find their voice. And, and I've filibustered long enough to, to bring back a smarter man on this issue, uh, um, uh, Mr. Musio. <laughs> Cole, I'm glad you're back, my friend. What, what was your take on the, the candidates and how they handled the life question and how the moderators framed it up? And then I'm going to give one final question to you, sir, before we close out. Listen, I, I apologize. I, I'm a social conservative, not a tech wizard. And I've really uh, been you know, bamboozled by tech here this morning. But y'all have done a great job. I've heard most of it. And Craig has just, uh, you know, he's looked awesome on camera, but he's also sounded great. So, um, yeah, I thought, again, to Craig's point, this is this is a winning issue. I mean, you look at what happened in, in 2022. The red wave was supposed to hit. It didn't. But it hit in Florida. It hit in Georgia. It hit in Iowa with three governors that signed heartbeat laws. If you are willing to take a clear and bold stance for life, if you're able to lay out what your position is and your rationale for it, and you're able to draw a sharp contrast with a radical left that fundamentally doesn't believe that life is valuable, you can win. And pro-lifers need to be encouraged. We have been beaten up, I think, uh, by, by folks looking for somebody to blame. Um, the pro-life movement is as strong as it's ever been if we choose to make it so. Uh, you have to have clear and strong talking points. You've got to have a good strategy. You've got to be able to talk... Um, you know, I think the, the, the word that President Trump has used about heart, I think, is important. You have to you have to talk with heart. You know, you have to realize that there's a woman who's a victim. There's a baby who's a victim. And you have to be able to speak to both. Um, but talking with heart doesn't mean, you know, eroding or devaluing the human life of the unborn child. And I think Governor Santis, if, if again, if you're looking for, you know, a moment from last night's debate, there were two great moments. I thought Nikki, Nikki Haley looking at Vivek and saying that, you know, she, he makes her dumber every time he listens to her. Uh, she listens to him. I thought was a hilarious moment. But the moment that is going to stick out from a policy perspective is Ron DeSantis's clear stance for human life. And again, even even Governor Christie was willing to say, look, human, human life is valuable. Here's what I did as governor. Here's what, here's what I'm going to do as president. It is not a losing issue. And pro-lifers need to be encouraged to stand bold on that. Cole, that was so beautifully said. And I really, I, I hope that all the candidates are watching this stream right now and getting their advice from you and they should actually start paying you instead of their uh, highly paid DC consultants who are telling them to run away from the pro-life issue because you're giving them much, much better advice that will help them on the campaign trail. Um, well, folks, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for, for watching and the, the, the recap here. We really appreciate it. Cole, since we lost you for a little bit, I'm going to give you one last question to wrap it up. Cole, uh, what, what, what should we watch for as social conservatives as the race progresses and as we see what happens on the Democratic side of the ticket? What, what should we keep an eye on? And you can close us out. 
watch watch for bold stances. I mean, who who is willing to put together a game plan to win? I think, you know, a question that's not been asked in either of these two debates is about the Supreme Court. And, you know, as mentioned earlier about Mike Pence's role in the Supreme Court, the great work that Donald Trump administration did, uh, where we have three, uh, three Supreme Court justices now that overturned Roe v. Wade. Here's the reality, though. Um, the 2024 election is, and I've never used the phrase, this is the most important election of my lifetime until this election. Um, because, you know, if you use that phrase too much, you, you know, you, you know, everybody's going to tune you out. This election is wildly important. If, if you elect a pro-life president, uh, this in their first term, they will appoint the replacements to Clarence Thomas and Samuel Alito. And that would lock in a pro-life, pro-freedom Supreme Court for multiple presidents to come um, because of the ages of Gorsuch and Kavanaugh and Barrett. Um, you would have a strong pro-life, pro-family, pro-freedom Supreme Court. Which, which candidate has the game plan to win? Which candidate is willing to say that men cannot become women? Which candidate is willing to stand boldly for school choice? The issues that a Supreme Court will decide that they can cement as a conservative court, who's willing to stake out bold positions and put together a game plan to win? Don't listen to people that tickle your ears. You know, you're going to have a lot of folks that try to throw out, you know, nice little sound bites and everyone's going to be desperate. It is absolutely imperative that we elect somebody who can beat Joe Biden in 2024, someone who is willing to take uh, take bold stances on our issues that will not hide from them and will turn them into election winners. Now is a time, uh, phrase of time for choosing was used last night from the Reagan Library. It is a time for choosing. It is a time for us to say, hey, we've got we've got this mo- we've got this moment in the history of our movement. Let's seize every bit of momentum and let's not hold back. Let's continue to press forward because the 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 significance of where we are could not be higher. And so that's my encouragement as you're watching uh, as you're watching uh, these candidates and you're making your choice. Continue to evaluate, continue to evaluate until you go vote, um, because this this election, the stakes cannot be higher. Amen, Cole. Thank you so much. Again, beautifully said. Craig, Cole, thank you so much for joining us. Cole, thank you for battling through the tech issues to be with us. That's, so sorry. that's very commendable. <laughs> no need to apologize. That happens. Uh, folks, thank you so much for watching. We'll be back. Uh, but in the meantime, please check out our Social Conservative Report. It's so, socialconservativereport.com. I'm sure the link will be up in the chat as well, where you can get Social Conservative news daily. The headlines are changed. Uh, it's the best Social Conservative news that you can find. It comes from all over. We aggregate all the best stuff so you don't have to do the work of searching through. We hope you'll check us out there. And God bless you in the meantime. Brought to you by Family Policy Alliance. Our vision is a nation where God is honored, religious freedom flourishes, families thrive, and life is cherished.